all options need to be on the table, and that's what Local Net Choice is all about. Hello, you are listening to episode 184 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Rural areas across the U.S. struggle with adequate internet access, and North Carolina is no exception. Unfortunately, North Carolina is also one of the states with state barriers in place, making it nearly impossible for rural communities to serve themselves. If you're one of our regular listeners, you know that the FCC overturned that barrier and that the state is challenging that decision in court. In this interview, Chris talks with Katherine Rice, Project Director for the Coalition for Local Internet Choice, also known as CLIC. Katherine was also instrumental in organizing the first local chapter of CLIC, which is located in North Carolina. Click and see. Catherine provides some close-up perspective on how the lack of broadband affects the people of North Carolina and how Click NC is attacking this problem. Now here are Chris and Catherine Rice, Project Director for the Coalition of Local Internet Choice, talking about the situation in North Carolina. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Catherine Rice, the Project Director for CLIC, the Coalition for Local Internet Choice. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. It's always a pleasure to be on your podcast. Well, it's great to have you back. Uh, you were one of our early guests as we were kicking this show off, and to that we were very grateful. And it's great that you have some new news that we'll be talking about today, which is uh, the Coalition for Local Internet Choice North Carolina chapter. Um, let me just remind people, if you're not aware, there's sort of a, a minor... Um, I have a, a hat that I wear that's related to Click as well. I'm a senior advisor to the project. This is me interviewing an organization that I am fully supportive of. Um, but, Catherine, can you tell us what is CLIC? CLIC, as you said, is the Coalition for Local Internet Choice. Uh, we were founded or formed around April of 2014, basically to give voice to the wide range of public and private interests who support the authority of local communities to make their own broadband inter- and Internet choices. Click actually believes that uh, having this authority is essential for local economic competitiveness, for democratic discourse, and basically our quality of life in the 21st century. As you know, Chris, we embody three different principles. The first one is that uh, the Internet is essential 21st century infrastructure, um, and that access to modern broadband infrastructure is vital in ensuring uh, that all communities, whether rural or tribal, or urban, can access opportunity and participate fully in community life. Our second principle is that local communities are the lifeblood of America. This is because we all know that America is built on its great communities. Towns, counties, and cities, these are the places where economic activity and civic engagement live. And communities recognize that modern broadband uh, internet infrastructure is essential to enable economic and democratic activity in what is now unquestionably a global knowledge economy, an important point. And third, communities must be able to make their own choices. And I think, Chris, you at ILSR get this completely. Um, Local choice enables local self-reliance and accountability. Local choice enables innovation, investment, and competition. So we believe that local communities, through their elected officials, must have the right and opportunity to choose for themselves the best broadband internet infrastructure for their businesses, for their institutions, and for their residents. We think that all options must be on the table. We believe that federal and state broadband policies 
must prioritize local choice and provide local communities full and unhindered authority to choose their own broadband and economic futures. And our first focus basically was to support uh, Chattanooga and Wilson FCC petitions to preempt state laws that were preventing the kind of broadband investment and competition that's so important for our country. Right, and I think it's worth uh, giving a reminder to people that uh, it was um, Jim Baller and Joanne Hobus were essential in the founding of it. You and I have helped out, uh, but it was in many ways something that they uh, poured themselves into. We owe a lot of gratitude to both of them. So that, let me ask you, uh, I, I'm not sure that there would be a, a Coalition for Local Internet Choice North Carolina chapter without you. Uh, you've been a driving force in North Carolina uh, for local choice before we started calling it that, um, local internet choice uh, specifically, obviously. Um, tell me, what is the North Carolina chapter? How is it distinct from CLIC? CLIC NC, or CLIC and C, as we playfully like to make fun of, um, is CLIC's North Carolina chapter, as you said, and I believe it's CLIC's first chapter. It is actually the outgrowth of a coming together at the Broadband Communities Conference in Austin this year, uh, in April. A group of North Carolina community representatives came together um, over coffee. Uh, it was actually their idea. They kind of found me <laughs> said, we got to sit down. And we need to do something so that everyone in North Carolina has access to modern broadband infrastructure. Basically, uh, Chris, what we're all seeing is that North Carolina will soon become a state of urban gig gigabit haves and rural gigabit have-nots, and that's simply not acceptable. Yes, we've been looking at the the investment patterns, uh, both the announced patterns and where we've already seen investment, and it's pretty clear that um, you know, North Carolina has some very famous urban areas. You've got Charlotte, you've got the Triangle, the areas around Greensboro. Um, you've got a couple of these different regions that have plans or there's been announcements that there will be next generation networks. But outside of those areas and outside of places like Wilson and Salisbury where they've built it themselves, there's only a few co-ops that are able to invest. Most of the areas that are served by AT&T and CenturyLink and others, um, there's no real hope for them to have even even slow broadband, let alone real broadband. Band. Exactly, and and we're all seeing this um, on the ground in North Carolina that the cities who are being served by or with the promise of service for gigabit symmetrical service, um, like you've mentioned, Raleigh, Charlotte, Morrisville, Cary, they're going to have the service. Uh, other communities that have the, uh, the the pull, the household income, the the higher densities, um, and the willingness to go after and desire to go after private sector partners like Holly Springs, they're going to have uh, symmetrical gigabit service. But if you're a community like Stanley County that's located between Charlotte and Raleigh, you're getting pretty darn worried at this point that your local businesses, and more so your young people, are going to move, and they're going to go to Raleigh or Charlotte. I mean, why not? What our rural areas are facing is digital have-not status, um, and it's just something that I think is what brought uh, North Carolina people together to, to form Click North Carolina. It's worth noting for those who aren't longtime listeners that we've covered in great depth uh, the barrier in North Carolina that stops municipalities from being able to invest currently. Uh, we we discussed the challenge at the FCC, the way that the FCC has taken a real leadership role in trying to remove it. Um, and that case is currently pending in uh, the Sixth Circuit of Appeals. 
Hey, I saw some breaking news, Catherine, as we're recording this. Um, Roy Cooper, uh, the gentleman, the attorney general, uh, who uh, is uh, is uh, defending North Carolina um, in, in arguing that the FCC should not overturn the rule, has just officially said that the rule is itself bad. Um, can you just give a little bit more context and tell me what's going on there? Well, sure. Uh, Roy Cooper is North Carolina's attorney general, and in late May, he filed a lawsuit against the FCC for preempting H-129. And like you said, that lawsuit is making its way through the Sixth Circuit judicial process. What's interesting, though, is that Roy Cooper is also running uh, for governorship. And um, a month ago, in early November, to his credit, he candidly acknowledged that he thinks that H-129 is basically bad law. Um, he was asked by a local Wilson newspaper why he filed the lawsuit, which attempts to overturn the FCC's authorization to finally let North Carolina's municipalities serve their rural neighbors. And his answer was basically, um, the legislature has passed a lot of bad laws, and it's the job of the attorney general to defend state laws, and uh, I wish the governor and the attorney general would stop passing so many bad laws, <laughs> like H-129. And this is just another situation, he said, where the attorney general's office is duty-bound to defend state law. So um, he's in a state, again, where half the population live in rural areas, and he gets it. And as governor, uh, if he was elected, I think he might do something about it. Right. Well, uh, it's it's great to see different segments of multiple levels of government understanding that this is the decision that should be made at the local level. All options need to be on the table, and that's what local net choice is all about. It's local communities. It's local elected officials who are the closest to the people, to the local businesses. It should be up to them to decide how they want local resources to be invested, including whether or not they they go with a public-private partnership for broadband, they go private only, they go public-public. But it is genuinely a local issue. This click and see, I think, will help um, push so that North Carolina itself could remove the barrier. But I actually had interrupted you, and um, I wanted to make sure I, that you had a chance to finish off uh, telling us what your goals were. Well, the other thing that brought us together, Chris, is that a lot of us saw the tsunami that, that will hit soon thanks to H-44. Um, H-44 is a law passed by the North Carolina legislature in 2013 that expressed their intention to stop funding printed school books after 2016. So families with children in rural North Carolina without sufficient Internet access will be faced with a, a really hard decision, whether they should literally move away from their homes to other areas to obtain sufficient Internet access. Um, that is, if they can afford to consider that alternative. In that environment, in the environment where H-129 is, is stopping the rural areas from getting the service that could potentially be offered to them, um, it's just time to, I think people felt it's time to come together and to um, try to educate to educate each other on how to deploy fiber, um, what are some financial options for them to provide fiber, um, and to educate our legislature um, and our legislators because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yes, <laughs> there certainly is. Some people get paid a lot of money to put that misinformation out there. Part of that education is based on providing better data. Sadly, the NTIA broadband data collected in North Carolina by NC Broadband was done using certain rules that wildly exaggerate broadband access in the state. 
The reason this is is because first, this is industry-reported data. The data is collected by census block, and if one home in a census block receives internet service, the entire census block can be reported as having internet service. So if a, com a company can convince itself that it could deploy internet to that one home within seven to ten business days, it can report that the home has internet access. And if that one home has internet access, the company gets to report that the entire census block has internet access, when in truth, none have it. So we've ended up with entire census blocks being reported as having internet access when there isn't any. Um, that's a problem when so much funding is based on that data. So we've gone out and we've found a speed data collection app via MLAB um, Sasha Minraf uh, was kind enough to let us uh, use it. And I think MLabs is short for measurement labs for people who might be interested in Googling it. I think uh, Googling measurement labs uh, would give you a better result than just MLabs. Uh, but please uh, continue. MLabs um, is an app which allows you to collect broadband data um, from the consumers themselves, from the trenches. So one of Click NC's 2016 goals will be to get that app distributed and start getting some real data together. Well, that's wonderful. So you have, um, you know, some some grassroots types of goals as well as a a goal of changing uh, the policy of the state. I think that's um, it's smart to be working on multiple levels at the same time. And and I think you know the way that you started the group is fascinating in terms of you know having a bunch of people stick their heads together for a short meeting. I hope that we'll see that in other states. Um, but Catherine, I wanted to, as we get to the end of our call, I definitely wanted to ask you, you know, as someone who's been working on this so hard for so long in multiple different capacities, um, you know, why is it so motivating for you? Well, you know, Chris, it's funny because I saw a program on Netflix the other day and it was about how our DNA is pre-wired. The show was a study on various animal DNA structures, including human animals, and how similar they were across animal types and how animals who cooperated, who helped each other, actually were the ones that survive, not the animals who only take care of themselves. It was a study discrediting the notion of survival of the fittest. And basically, the, the program's message was that our DNA is wired to cooperate, to share, and to help each other. So to me, the Internet represents the technology that can let us connect to each other, to put that inherent good DNA on steroids, so to speak, and let us share and understand each other, ultimately to make it for a better world. To me, the Internet lets us reach out and discover that we're really not different. We're basically the same. We are, in fact, inherently social animals, um, and we're meant to connect. But as far as my passion for North Carolina, my childhood memories were built on a life on a dairy farm, so my heart is basically rural. Our rural areas are being left behind in this new economy, and they're slowly dying from it. Access to modern broadband, in my opinion, represents the chance to be part of the knowledge economy, but still allowing us to wake up in the morning, thanks to the rooster, to live with our cows, fresh air and fresh eggs, and pancakes on the flower kitchen table, right? Internet could make our rural areas, in fact, the ultimate creative class nirvana, right? I believe it can save them. Um, in my opinion, no one's future should be determined simply by where they live. We all have something to give.
Right. Well, that's certainly the history of the United States is one of making sure that we had roads out in rural areas that people could use to to build markets. Uh, we brought electricity out to everyone, I think not as an act of charity, but because we recognize that we would all do better if everyone has electricity. Uh, people in uh, in those rural areas can be more productive. They can contribute more to the, the goods that, that we want in cities. And they can uh, now, with uh, high quality internet access, we'll have more access to their really good ideas. Um, you know, I think uh, there's too many people who haven't been out in rural areas, who haven't, um, who don't know people from rural areas, but they have every bit as, as good ideas and fascinating ideas for innovation as people in urban areas. And, um, and I, you know, I just, I've, I spend a lot of time in rural areas. So it's, uh, for me, it's a, it's not an act of charity. It's that I know that I, as someone who lives in a city, will benefit from everyone being connected. Yes, and that's why Quick NC came together because we feel that all boats, all broadband boats, all city boats must rise with the tide, um, and it's unacceptable and, and hurts not only our cities, our region, our state, but our country for everyone not to have access to modern broadband. It's noteworthy to kind of repeat um, an important FCC factoid, which is that 53% of rural areas do not have access to the level of modern broadband required to participate in our life, versus only 8% of urban areas. And half of North Carolina's population live in our rural areas. We're in trouble in North Carolina if nothing is done about this rural digital divide. Right. And we also should note, um, when this airs, it will have been some time. Uh, it's already been a little bit of time since Wally Bowen's passing. But uh, Wally Bowen was did so much for rural and western North Carolina that I would like to honor his passing once again by just um, thanking him for all the work he put into uh, bringing higher quality Internet access to everyone. Hey, Catherine, uh, one final note. Uh, where can people get more information about um, ClickNC? Well, Chris, to be a member of ClickNC is free, and all you need to do is go to Click's website at www.localnetchoice.org, um, go to the membership button, and sign up, and that information will filter through to our database, um, and you'll be connected. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's wonderful to have you as a repeat guest. Yes, Chris, and thank you so much for all the work that you do on this cause. That was Catherine Rice, Project Director for the Coalition for Local Internet Choice, talking with Chris about the lack of broadband in rural North Carolina and the North Carolina chapter of CLIC. Remember to sign up as a member at localnetchoice.org. Membership is free. We also share news about and by CLIC at muninetworks.org. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. You can also follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at muninetworks.org. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 184 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.